What's up, guys? This is episode three of The Wise Guys. It's your boy, Jay Ray. I'm with Johnny T and BCAP. Last time we spoke to you about the AFC North. Today, we're going to bring you our breakdown of the AFC West. We're also going to talk to you about the best free agents still sitting on the couch at home right now. Talk about where this former number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, where is he going to land come September? We're going to talk about the bottom five teams. No more top five. We're talking about the dumps. We're talking about the Jets. We're talking about the garbage. And then we're going to get into Brandon's new quirky idea about expansion in the NFL. Brandon, why don't you kick us off? Let's talk about some AFC West, man. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, last episode, we talked about the um, last NFL episode. We talked about the AFC North. Now we're going to dive into the AFC West. Um, and I believe uh, I, I picked the... Um, the Chargers uh, in one of my in our you know top five teams on paper going into mm-hmm. the season, so I think it's only fitting that I rank the Chargers number one in that division. I, I see them winning that division, and then in uh, coming in second, I think it's going to be Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, number three, I got the Denver Broncos, and then in uh, the fourth place, I think it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Now I will say. That I do think it's going to be a close division because I, like I said before, I think this is the toughest division in the NFL. Um, so I think these teams, I think it's going to be a la that year where um, the Saints, Falcons, and Tampa Bay all won ten plus games, and Tampa missed the playoffs with uh, when they went ten and six. I think Josh Freeman was their quarterback back then. I think it's going to be a little a la that. Maybe now that there's a, you know, um, there's um an extra team in the playoffs every year. Now, maybe we'll see three teams out of this division come in. Hell, we, there's a possibility we, we could get all four of them in the, in the playoffs this year. Um, but yeah, that, that's where I have uh, my ranking. So. Talk, talk, talk to me, Johnny T. So you had the chargers that won the chiefs at tail. Yeah. I'm piggybacking off of that with, I think you look at the chargers off season and then you look at the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill, and we're no longer going to see the the trio of Kelsey, Hill, and Mahomes. So I think the the learning curve for Mahomes not having that deep threat again this season, the start of the year, I think the Chargers will get, will get off to an even hot, hotter start. You have the Chiefs coming in second. The Raiders and the Broncos are the second wave of the division, I feel, where it's one of those two teams is going to miss the playoffs. Unless everything goes right, they stay healthy, and one squeeze in with 9 or 10 wins, there's just no shuttle for these squads are making it. And for me, I have Russell Wilson and the boys finding a way to get in over Derek Carr and the Raiders. You know what's the most fun part when I look at this division? I don't think I've ever seen an offseason where one specific division just got so stacked. Like, you just look outside of the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill. Yeah, they added Juju. They added uh, Mar- Mar- what's his name? Marquez Valdez Scantling. I already left the twister for me. But mm-hmm. at the charges, they add in Khalil Mack, JC Jackson. You throw that in with Joey Bosa. That's, yo, dude, that's frightening. Broncos adding their quarterback that they've been looking for for a long time. I mean, just a couple of years ago, they had who under center? Paxton Lynch. Like, this is a real rise for them. This is a step yeah. up in the department now. So the Broncos adding Russell Wilson. The Raiders getting Devontae Adams and somebody that I haven't heard spoken about a lot that the Raiders added was Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, that's a guy from uh, as a New England fan. I was kicking and screaming when they traded him to Arizona and I'm repping Arizona today. 
But I was kicking and screaming when it happened. But now this guy is down there in Vegas. That team looks primed and ready to go. But let me give you my ranking real quick. You're going to be surprised. I know you guys got the Chargers going number one. Honestly, I can't bet against Andy Reid. I'm still going to go with the Chiefs number one. Losing Tyreek Hill, I think they'll find a way to manage. I think Patrick Mahomes still is an MVP. I see John smiling like, what is wrong with this guy? Even without (laughs) Byron Pringle as well? Bro, (laughs) I don't even want to (laughs) Byron Pringle. We we don't got to do that now. (laughs) I I think they made enough, enough additions on the offensive side of the ball. My biggest concern is their defense, their DB specifically. I feel like they whiffed not going after a guy like James Bradbury or a Stephon Gilmore. I feel like they, they really whiffed on that. But I still think Patrick Mahomes as a top three quarterback in the NFL is enough with Travis Kelsey to bring them to number one. I got the Chargers number two. I think they got the scariest defense and one of the most explosive offenses in the league. I still think Justin Herbert can still be a little bit more disciplined on the offensive side, not turning the ball over. I think he might be the only thing that stands in his team's way. He might throw them into trouble. I still think he's the MVP candidate, but it's still dangerous. I got the Raiders coming in third. I believe in Derek Carr. I love Devontae Adams. I love what they're working with. The only question mark for me is Josh McDaniels. Who knows what he's going to be as a head coach. In New England, some fans were growing stale, saying the offense was too plain. I don't know what he's going to bring to the table for the Vegas, but well, I guess it's a fun city. So maybe he'll be fun with the offense too. But number four, I got the Broncos. I'm sorry. I don't believe in the team just yet. Uh, Russell Wilson. I love him. He's a superstar, but there's a lot of young and unproven talent. They've been saying they need, they just need a quarterback. They're a quarterback away. Okay. Well, here we go. Now they got to prove it. So I got him at four. They need to show it to me. Um, Just to follow up on, on that. Um, cause your Denver Bronco points are completely hundred percent valid. Cause that's where I was, I was coming from too, with, um, it, you look at it. You, yeah. you got Russell Wilson, but you also got a lot of unproven talent. But yeah, there's potential there. There's upside, but it's, it, they got to make it happen now. And yeah. they've got the guy. So we're going to see, I mean, the most proven guy on that team, uh, on the offensive end is Melvin Gordon. They resigned him. So that's good. You know, a thousand yard rusher went healthy. Um, but with your Kansas city chiefs, I mean, obviously I think that they could win the division because the chargers are still a young and a more inexperienced team when it comes uh, comparing them to the chiefs, but like the chiefs, man, I just look at these losses that I read. These are the big hitters Orlando Brown jr. At tackle, um, Melvin Ingram, Kyle long at the guard. And then somebody that you guys both forgot to mention, their their guy holding down the defensive uh, backfield and the defense in general, Tyron Matthew. He's gone. So, yeah, they still got Frank Clark and Chris Jones, but I don't think that's enough, and I think those players are starting to age, and I think they're starting to show a little bit of their age. They're still good, but they're not what they were. Um, yeah, I just don't – I will say uh, one more thing that – I do like the two receivers. Well, one receiver they drafted, one was an undrafted uh, free agent in Sky Moore, who's a burner. And I was looking at him when the Patriots are on the clock. We obviously didn't go there. You know, typical Bill Belichick. It's fine. Um, And the other one is who went undrafted and it's due to injury concerns. But I think can be he's got the all all the athletic ability in the world, the talent. 
Justin Ross out of Clemson. So it could be interesting. Ross's neck injury was scary because basically all of a sudden he was told he couldn't play. He's like, I feel fine. And it was some weird landing on his neck. And as a yeah. football player, that's that's got to be the craziest psyche mess up, so to speak, where you feel like yeah. you're good and the doctor telling you, oh, no, you may not be able to ever play again. So I think with him, he's the biggest boomer bust undrafted player by far out of the 2022 class. It's because you have no idea how serious that actually is. But if it's less serious, then like we're looking at a guy who could be one of the best or one of the utmost top undrafted free agent receivers. But the other thing, too, you guys talked about is the Broncos playmakers not being exactly ready-made or uh, proven. Does your second-year running back have to be proven? Running backs in their first season can come out and be top 10. We saw Jonathan Taylor and so many guys. And Javante Williams was so elite last year as number two that I say to myself, he's going to give him more touches this year. And they paired that with Jerry Judy being healthy. Cortland Sutton, a second year off of injury, he's going to be healthy. And then Tim Patrick, Alberto, who was really impressive and the opportunities he was given playing behind Noah Fant. I say to myself, they got just as many playmakers as Seattle did. And when looking at Russell Wilson, just one time in his career did he have a losing season. And now you give him one of the best secondaries in the NFL by far and playmakers all over the defensive end. And I say the only thing that could hold this team back is Russ not playing the full season. Because outside of that, I don't think there's really any team in the league they can't beat with him under center. Do you, all right, so question for the both of you guys. You're looking at the four teams in the AFC West. Do you think, what's the, the gap between the number one team and the last place team? Is there even much of one? I feel like everything's pretty close in the West. Like, it, I think it's, pretty, it's pretty close. Like I, like I, uh, I said before, like, I, I, could see, I could see three teams winning 10 games easily this year. Mm. Like, the Chargers, the Chiefs can win 10 games. And I think Russell Wilson definitely could uh, get the Broncos to 10 games. Or the Raiders too. Like, like I said, it, it's really close. Especially, I think John touched on it too. Like, I definitely think there is a there is a, a tier system in this division, though. I think that's clear. Where it's the Chargers and Chiefs are the are the two two powerhouse guys, and then you got the Denver Broncos and Raiders who are just trying to get up there. So with the Broncos, I could see either one flip flopping. I could see the Chiefs winning the division and the Chargers coming in second. Just like I could see the Broncos coming in fourth and the Raiders coming in third, that that that's how I see it. it. That those guys are pretty close. Those two sets of teams. And we all agree the Raiders are fourth in our rankings, correct? No, I had the third. Yeah, the third. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say in terms of talent on paper, the Chargers are the most stacked. I, I don't think you can look oh, yeah. at the Chiefs offseason and say, oh no, they they have yeah. the most rounded team. When I look at the Raiders' defense, a lot like last year, it was led by the defensive outside linebackers. And you look at the team this year, you had Max Crosby, talked about Chandler Jones, but their defense is the most thin out of any of those teams. You look beyond Max, who's a stud, he got extended, and you look past Chandler and you say to yourself, none of these guys are really proven. You know what I mean? So I look at that Raider defense and I compare it to what the Broncos like That secondary of Patrick Sertan going into year two could be insane. I wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe the best in the NFL. I don't know if that's even a hot take because of the potential they have as a group. Sertan, he's a problem. So, As for rookies, you talked about Sky Moore and Justin Ross before. I wanted to talk about Sky. He was a guy who won the Steelers a draft because he had a close connection with Mike Tomlin. And I'm looking at that Kansas City team. The biggest X factor by far 
this guy. I don't mean to take him away from you, but I mean, there's a good chance this year he's going to be the Chiefs number one receiver. Because in Pittsburgh, Juju, his second year, he broke out for, I believe it was 1,300 yards and is their best player. But it's also been a bit of a change of scenery for Juju. He hasn't been the same since, at large part because Ben's not been the same quarterback. Now he gets him at Holmes. But if teams were treating him as number one again, where he, when he broke out, it's because he was playing next to Antonio Brown. He doesn't have Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill. So if defenses are focusing primarily on him, that opens up the opportunity for Sky Moore to step right into number two and produce even at a higher level than Juju was more proven. So to me, I think there's a good chance Sky outperforms Juju this year and he, he leads the team in yards. Well, it seems like we all pick Sky Moore because I even had to take some pre-show notes about him too. <laughs> the guy, the guy's kind of like, a, you know, I feel like it's very easy to look at a small receiver now and compare him straight up to Debo Samuel, but mm -hmm. that's exactly what I'm going to do. I think his, his stature, he, he's sharp with his routes. He tracks the ball great. He runs. I just think route running for a slot receiver is so lethal and how hard he runs those routes is get compares him so much to Debo Samuel. He's going to be bouncing off tackles like crazy. This guy has the makings to be an instant star, like you said. I wouldn't say he's going to be the number one for the receipt for the for the Chiefs in their receiving core, but it'll take time. And I could see maybe further down in the season, he'll definitely create that role for himself. But I'm with you. Sky Moore is looking like a, a nice sleeper in fantasy and fantasy drafts very soon. Uh, yeah, be. We, we just talked about these teams. A couple of them made some big free agent splashes. What free agents come to mind the second you look at the list right now? Joe Hayden, number one. As a Steeler fan, I've seen him consistently be not only a veteran leader in the secondary, but he's a clutch player that has that, that genetic in him. He's not going to make a big mistake. And while he's not the same athlete as he was at 24 or 27 years old, he's still a guy you can count on to be a high-end starter. He could even serve some weeks as a number one and hold up just fine. And we've seen in Pittsburgh, even through injuries, he's been able to step in and consistently fill in a void in the secondary for Pittsburgh. And I'm sure he could do the same exact thing for our teams with his experience and his ability to still play quality football. So for me, Joe Hayden is number one. Who's number two? Oh, go ahead, John. There's a lot of receivers. The first one that comes to mind is Julio Jones. But with all of the injuries he's experienced over the last two, three years, I say myself, Emmanuel Sanders. And then also Odell Beckham Jr. are the, the two highest um, or the most, to me, the guys you can count on most. Emmanuel last year tore 600 yards in Buffalo. And while he's now number one, he's now number two at this point, he can be a slot option. He can certainly be a great depth piece, uh, depth, excuse me. I'm looking at all of these teams around, I'm looking at all of these teams around the league that when injury comes around in training camp and you need to fill in a roster spot, Emmanuel is one of the best options because like Joe Hayne, he has experience and he's shown the ability consistently. It's not like he's dropped off in production significantly over the last four years. He can play high-level football as well. And then Odell, he's going to be coming off the ACL. He probably won't return until the end of the year. But if you're a playoff team and you're looking for a spark, heck, if I'm the Rams and let's say Allen Robinson misses some time, maybe four to six weeks, I'm bringing Odell right back into the scoop. So... I mean, I'm just trying to double check on something because I thought this guy was it was a free agent, but did he did Indomitian Sue sign with the team? No, no, he's still a free agent, right? Okay. It's yeah, funny so you mentioned him. He actually said the other day. I don't know if you know this, but he he believed the Bucks are already off the radar. Like I don't think he's going to be back in Tampa. Yeah, I think the rumors were that he might go uh, Vegas. I think it was. Hmm. I think that that was the rumor for Vegas. 
that would be a, a pretty damn good pairing when you have um, Max Crosby, like John said, you got Chandler Jones, and now you add in Dominican Sue, who's a bona fide Hall of Famer. Um, so I, I, I think in Dominican Sue, because John took my OBJ and Julio. For OBJ, though, just to speak on it briefly, is I mean, he's not, I don't see any teams jumping on him until maybe like mid October because of the ACL. And how late in the season? I mean, he tore it in the Super Bowl, so that's February. Yeah, it's, it's gonna eight take at that point eight months. Like, yeah, and that's if everything goes perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a chance OBJ doesn't play this season. Um, Julio, I think Julio's got to get added to a team. I love it if my you know my New England Patriots picked him up. Um, I I, I don't see that happening because you know Bill's gonna do Bill. Um. Another one that is a veteran presence and uh, I would say still a versatile linebacker is Anthony Barr. Um, he, he could be a definite upgrade on uh, almost any team. He's, he's a perfect scheme fit for nowadays NFL. You know, he's got the speed, so he can, you know, run with those tight ends. I think that that's a, that's kind of a sleeper, but a little bit of like a, you know, deeper down guy. Yeah, I'm with you guys a ton. So I actually had Anthony Barr on my list also. While he's not the same player that he once was, I still believe he's going to play for you. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be out there. You can count on him. He's going to make tackles. He's going to bring pressure. He's not going to dazzle you in the stats in the stat book, but he'll be there for you. And I, I always liked Anthony Barr. And I'm a big fan of him in Madden, too. You can always count on him in that. But also on my list, I do have Julio Jones number one. So, yeah, I get it. His injuries – he has taken a step back. But I I don't think if you're signing Julio, you're signing him to be a number one. I don't think you need to ask him to do too much. He's just a great person to have in a wide receiver room. So like Brandon mentioned, if you bring that guy into New England to be with guys like Devontae Parker and, and Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, somebody to mentor those guys, those young boys, the sky's the limit for you. I mean, Julio Jones can still go out there and make plays if he's healthy. He did yep. show it in a couple of games in Tennessee. I don't think that that car is is running out of gas completely yet. I, I still think he has plenty left in the tank. I don't think he's going to be that number one. But why not take him in as, as a number two? I can't believe a bunch of people aren't calling his phone right now. And this guy is still sitting on a couch. We're talking about a future Hall of Fame wide receiver, probably one of the best of our generation. It's it's really a shame. that. Well, I'll throw in a team that might be calling this not, not even a team, but a player. For a team uh, down in um, down in Florida, uh, Tom Brady might be giving Julio Jones a ring because you know how Tom Brady loves his uh, elite receiver, especially because Chris Godwin's coming off the torn ACL. Oh, yeah. He might be rusty. You got Mike Evans. I mean, Julio Jones, AB, Julio because he doesn't cause trouble. AB brings it so much down because you just – I don't even want to get into that because he's just a, oh my God. Um, Julio is like what you would call a perfect, he's not even a diva at all at the receiving position. The guy just puts his head down and he goes and makes his plays. Yeah. That's it. He doesn't make any noise. I think he'd be a perfect fit for Tom Brady. And maybe he can get on that TB12 method to maybe uh, strengthen those hamstrings a little bit, a little avocado ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think the perfect spot for Julio right now is with his former quarterback out in Indianapolis. Line him up right next to Michael Pittman. 
doesn't need to do too much. That's a that's a run first offense with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. And whenever you want Julio, bring him out in the end zone. Just throw it up to him. I'll never forget when yep. he lost the daylights out of us in New England one day uh, on a I think it was a Monday night game. I don't know or a Sunday night game. I'm sure you remember that one. It's one well, of his- let, let, let's not forget the one in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, because if not for the greatest catch in NFL history from Julian Edelman. Julio Jones's catch was going to be remembered as one of the top NFL catches in uh, Super Bowl history because that was just that out. I think it was an out. It was either an out route or a comeback, and it was just done to perfection. He just caught it deep on the the, the wingspan on that man is insane. Yeah, but and my but I got one more free agent for you, and it's also Odell. I have to go with Odell. I'm a New Yorker man through and through. John, you're from Jersey. Odell played up in Jersey, man. He has to be up on that list all the time, man. He is probably one of the most explosive wide receivers of our time that we've seen whenever he's on the field. He is dangerous. I haven't seen a receiver that can just take a a five-yard slant and go 75 yards with it, with ease. Odell needs a squad. Was he going to win Super Bowl MVP if he tears ACL? Because he had two of the biggest plays of the game with a touchdown, over 60 yards. And I believe it was the first half. Because he got hurt in the second quarter, right? Yeah, somewhere around there, if my memory serves me right. I, I think there's, there's a, a good there's chance. A chance. There's a chance, but, I mean, because what, what the, the thing that happened was just late in the fourth quarter when the Rams were struggling, they finally just – Stafford were just like, you know what, screw it. I'm throwing it to Cooper Cup, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like that, that's the offense It's I'm throwing it to Cooper cup and, and through it. Like, I think on one, one drive in, in the fourth quarter, like four or five times to Cooper cup and he caught all of them. Like, so th- that definitely played a factor in Cooper cup being the Super Bowl MVP because without Odell, maybe some of those catches go to him and you know, who knows, maybe Stafford benefits from that more and he wins the MVP because you know, he's got both his guys. All right. Without thinking, John, where would you want to see Odell play next season? First first team that comes to mind. San Francisco. Oh. Get him in there, Trey Lance. Give him another target with Debo, especially if you're trying to show Debo we can, in a way, find some of the value you bring us with other players. For them to bring one of the top playmakers in the game, you help out your young quarterback, and you're adding more dynamicism on the outside. And the other thing, too, is... The 49ers next year are a clear playoff team in the NFC. So you're not going to be asking Odell to be there consistently in the start of the year. You're looking for him in the postseason where it comes down to playmaking and you're going to need to supplement your young quarterback with as much talent as possible. Wait, time out. Did you say the San Francisco 49ers are a clear playoff team in the NFC? Yes. Well, that'll be sure. an interesting discussion when we get to the NFC uh, West, I guess. Remember, I ranked them number five in my. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you, John. I'm yeah. with you. Where you got Odell going? First team that comes to mind. Shoot. It's 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 the Buccaneers because I I think I think he really he holds Tom in such high regard. He talked about all the time. I want to play for Tom. He also talked. He wanted to play for Bill, but it it could be Tom. You know, if late late in the season, you know. Chris Godwin's not really figuring out. You got Odell coming back. It, maybe they take a chance on him. I, I'm just hoping he gets clear. He's he gets healthy and clear because we we should we should 
it sucks. He's been robbed how many years in his, in his absolute prime. And it, 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 it sucks to see that because he could have been, I, I don't think this is going to sound a little negative, but I don't think he, he can, he was going to be the guy that everybody thought he was going to be like, Oh my God, this is going to be, but he's, he's going to be the greatest receiver of all time. He's going to be better than Moss or Jerry Rice. And I was like, okay, let, let's relax. All right. Let's slow down because then I now fast forward how many years and we've seen how it's played out. We never know how these things are going to play out. So I just really, I really am rooting for him. I really hope he gets healthy so that, and maybe he takes the whole year off because of, we do see ACL tears, but most of the time we see him, you know, late in the season, in October, November, December time. We rarely see it happen in the Super Bowl. Okay. So that's February. Like it's just, it's asking a lot, and like John said, eight months, and that's if everything goes perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to see him. Obviously, as a Patriot fan, I've been dying to see Bill Belichick bring Odell in. That's been a rumor for the longest. So I won't throw New England in because that's just my bias pick. But I would love to honestly see him play with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. So a young quarterback, a very talented one. I feel like he's missing a game-breaking wide receiver. Well, Christian Kirk. Better. Well, uh, yeah, we're not talking about Christian. <laughs> but and that's no disrespect. Christian Kirk's an awesome receiver. But to get Odell in there, having that real game-breaking receiver, I think that just makes that elevates Trevor Lawrence's game. Also, on a one-year deal, raises Odell's stock a little bit. The targets are going to be there. I don't anticipate the Jaguars to be no playoff team, but I expect them to take some strides in the right directions. I want to see him play with a young quarterback. I don't want to see him go back to the Giants as long as Daniel Jones is there. Take him to Jacksonville. Enjoy the hot weather in Florida. And what's their saying over there? Who I forgot Who what it is. Duval. No, Duval. Yeah, I was going to say. All right, so I was just talking to you guys about OBJ and Jarvis Landry, some former Cleveland Browns. Let's talk about one that's currently a Cleveland Brown. But we don't know if he's going to be there come September. Former number one pick Baker Mayfield. Where do you guys see him standing? That backwards hat kind of guy. That college <laughs> Godford, God, do you want to take it or you want me to go first? Well, you're the Baker truther. So I think you should voice your thoughts and then I'll voice mine afterwards. Yeah, I like how you said truther because it is. It's the truth. Um, okay. So it's come time that, you know, it's, it's time for Baker to uh, leave Cleveland. Those days are all over. And I think it's um, honestly, if we even, even looking back, like I said in the previous episode, that I had the Cleveland Browns winning, this, uh, being in the Super Bowl uh, before the last season. They were my preseason uh, pick for the AFC. Even, even, that, even with that said, I think we can look back at his time in Cleveland. And if we're looking at it objectively and honestly, it it really was a mess from the beginning. I mean, Hugh Jackson was his head coach right right from the beginning, and he his days were numbered right from the get go. The, the the front office didn't believe in him, and he kind of him and Baker kind of got off on the wrong foot because he was saying he was going to uh, have Baker start off the season on the bench, and he was going to start um Tyrod Taylor, I believe, right? Yeah. So they got off on a rocky foot. He gets the boot. I forget if he gets the boot mid-season or at the end. I I, for, I think um, the defensive uh, coordinator um, 
Greg Williams. Greg Williams takes over, and they actually make a run. And I think that was one of the stupidest decisions that the Browns uh, made during the uh, Baker Mayfield era is that they didn't retain Greg Williams because that defense never reached its um, level that it did that year since then. Like the, the past, I forget, four or three years since Greg Williams left, it, it never reached the level that it was with him. And that's just because he's a great uh, defensive coordinator. Gets his guys ready, coaches them up tough, and um, th- then you move on to um, uh, who was their second head coach? Uh, Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens. Okay, and he lasts a year or two years. The year. That's it. The year. That that's over with and done with, and then he moves on to um, Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski, who is the current head coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he moves on to that, and I believe he had so that that's um, that's three different head coaches, right? Yeah, three different offensive coordinators. And three, yeah, I think it's yeah, three different offensive coordinators. So that it's just the it, the offense is already in shambles. The team is already in shambles. They're showing no faith in these coaches. So Baker never really gets his footing really ready, and you got to have consistent coaching. So I think it's time to go for me. Baker, I, I see three teams for Baker's options. I see the Carolina Panthers. I see the Miami Dolphins. And I see the Seattle Seahawks. Now, obviously, as a Baker fan, I would love to see him in Miami because I think he can do some things. Now, that's a little co- uh, contradiction because I'm a Patriots fan and I'm a Baker's fan. Yeah, I think they're going to do really good, but that that's where I see it right now is, is uh, one of those three teams. I think those three teams are waiting for Baker to be released by the Browns. So they don't have to give anything up and they can get him on a lower deal. I think that's just a great business move. I don't think that's a slight on Baker's skill set at all. I think that's just them having smart business. They're calling Cleveland's bluff. I made a mistake before he's had four coaches in four years and four offensive coordinators because when, What's his face got fired in 2018? Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson Todd and- Haley, the offensive coordinator, also got canned, and Freddie Kitchens became <laughs> the offensive coordinator. So he, in his first three seasons, had uh, a total of three, and then this year was his first year at the same OSC and head coach. And um, let's keep it real. Carolina, yes. Seattle, yes. Miami's not on the table for Baker Mayfields. They are fully committed to Tua Tagal- <sighs> Tua. I can't pronounce his last name right now. Um, there's, there's no way they're bringing in Baker to be the de facto backup because Baker would be a distraction, and they're trying to build around Tua. You don't bring all those weapons to build around him. Just say, oh, okay, we're going to bring in Baker to, to sit over your shoulder, and I don't think Baker, quite frankly, would want to be a backup in Miami. Miami's got nice weather, but he wants to be a starter. He wants to prove himself. He wants to get paid. And for him, the best opportunity is easily Carolina I don't even think it's close because with Seattle I actually think Pete Carroll is willing to give Drew Locke an opportunity to be the starter and they have a little bit more patience with him because of the Panthers we have seen Sam Darnold we look at their their new fourth round pick maybe he is the next Will Greer maybe he's not but their fourth rounder and uh, from Ole Miss Matt Corral we haven't seen anything from him at least for Drew Locke, there have been moments where he's shown all the talent to be a starting-level quarterback. Mm. Similar thing with Sam Darnold, but he was such a disaster last season 
it's almost a different story because we've seen it year in and year out for four years with Sam. With Drew, it's only been three. Um, so yeah, I mean, Miami, absolutely not. And secondly, big. I know you're a big Baker fan, Brandon, but he's not a top 15 quarterback in the league. And quite frankly, I don't think he ever will be one. And he has to have everything going right for him to be one of the better guys. And that's not even a shot necessarily at him that goes to show how talented the quarterbacks are today. And he's already 27 years old. How much more room does he have to grow coming off a year like last year where he's tried to play through injury and looked like one of the worst and was, frankly. You know, when you when you look back at the Baker Mayfield era in Cleveland, Brandon described it as a mess, which it was. But from Cleveland's perspective, I, I, I'd look at it much much more as a success. I mean, look at where they were before he got there. You know, they, they, are, they were in contending. They made playoff appearances. They almost took down the mighty Chiefs in Kansas City in a playoff game. You know, then they took this large fall from grace. You know, everything seemed great. But the position that they're in today now is Deshaun Watson as their potential quarterback. They can attract some weapons. They can attract talent to their team. And from Cleveland's perspective, I think this era results in more success in the future. In Baker's, in Baker's eyes, the way I see it, I think his best place might be Seattle. I think the weapons are there with Tyler Lockett and DK. Chris Carson is still there if he's healthy. I don't see why Pete Carroll would give Drew Locke the opportunity over Baker Mayfield when Drew Locke has squandered every opportunity that he's had and he's had talent on the outside. I, I, have you? Do you think that he's shown that he's a capable starting quarterback in the think, short time? Do you out think there? Vink Fangio gave him a legitimate opportunity with his job on the line to really have patience with him? Because to me, the way I looked at it, Vic Fangio was almost too impatient with him and so worried about protecting his job. Drew Locke never really was fairly given for more than a season the opportunity to get those growing pains out the way because we've seen with him the talent is there to be on the same level as Daniel Jones. To me, I think those guys are in the same ballpark because we've seen really good flashes from the two of them. With DJ, we've seen him as the giant starter now for three years. With Drew, it's been on and off for the last two. And I think, while I agree with you, he's been wildly inconsistent. And while he's had the talent levels, Cortland Sutton, in 2020, was injured. Injuries, Barry yes. Trudy this last year was injured as well. And so there, there hasn't been that accumulation of all the assets or all the weapons and playmakers together for a drill. Now, you put him in Seattle with DK, Tyler Lockett as well as one of the 10 or 15 best receivers in the game. You draft a running back in the second round. You have Chris Carson, who ended the year last year for one of the best backs in the game. You're building a strong offensive line on the outside. The offensive blueprint is there for Drew Lock to step in with one of the best coaches of all time. And now you're saying to yourself, Okay, there's stuff for him, stuff for him to work with here. Whereas in Denver, Vic Fangio is probably one of the worst mentors and leaders to really guide him into a successful career as a potential starter. Yeah, but John, let's also let's also kind of cut the crap. Drew Locke never was going to be that guy. Well, let's let's just it is what it is. Baker Mayfield is better than Drew Locke. Baker Mayfield's better than Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, is better than Tua Tungavailoa. Um. I think I do. I'm going to stick by. I think Miami can be an option because I don't think for me, I differ with John. I don't think the front office believes in Tua Tungvaluwa. I don't. I think that they have very big questions about his injury concerns. And they, there's an the old saying, availability is the best ability. When you're not on the field, 
how are you going to produce? Well, he's so been. I, I, I think I think taking a, taking a look at Baker as a guy who's going to put the pressure on Tua, and we're. I mean, I I see it as the front office is basically saying, "All right, Tua, here's Jalen Waddle, here's Tyreek Hill, you got Mike Gesicki at the tight end, you got a running game. Here it is. Show us that we made the right decision. Show us." And he's gonna have to. I don't. I don't think he is. Um, just because I don't think he's got the arm strength in in today's NFL to really push the ball down the field, especially with two freaking speedsters. How you, how is that going to work? How is that going to work? Did you see the video that the Dolphins released a, a while back? Yes, that was literally <laughs> flashing in my head when I was saying that to you right now. I was going to bring it up, like. It, it, you can't. How is that going to work, John? How is two? How are you going to have two of the fastest guys on the field, and the guy can't get the ball down the field for them? Well, to be sure, he's not had the weapons his first two years. He had Devonte Parker, he had Jasaki, and after that, he had Will Fuller, who uh, played how many games last year? Very little, and was not really much of a threat. Now you have Waddle going to a second season. You bring in the best receiver in the league. This is an opportunity, and. Through all the trade rumors last year, he stepped up and he only missed three games. So I think the injury concerns, while you can note them, I don't think they're the biggest concern. I think the physical limitations in his arm and the power of it, I think that is the larger concern with him. And I agree with you. Do you think Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I I cut you off. Drew Locke's not better than Baker, but he also is winning games as a rookie. He went four and one. Last year, uh, as a sophomore, he was not 2021, but 2020, he had a really poor year. But, I mean, he hasn't been all terrible football. He's had some moments, and I think the flashes are there for a Seahawks team that's rebuilding to say, we'll give him one chance, and if he plays poorly, guess what? We're going to top three pick in the draft. And we'll talk about the three to five worst teams in the league shortly in a little bit. But for Seattle, you're rebuilding. You can have Drew Locke be bad. You're not going to suffer because you're not trying to win games. What's Baker going to do for you? Win nine, eight games, you're going to be a first-round exit. Whereas with Drew Locke, you get yourself a top three pick, worst case. And the best-case scenario... You have yourself what is a potential franchise quarterback that's younger than Baker. So, sorry, what were you saying? All right, so you you threw you hyped up Tua a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that he can make similar strides to Josh Allen when he when he got Stephon Diggs in the fold? No, not at how all. much better does adding Tyreek Hill make Tua? It makes a big difference because just having that presence it takes so much pressure off of his shoulders because. Defenses now are constantly worried about Tyreek, and they have Jalen Waddle, who's one of the top receivers rising in the game. So now the dynamicism on the outside and in the middle of the field, it opens up everything for Tua to just play his game. And while he still may not have the arm to make throws at the level of a Josh uh, or a, a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert, he can still be accurate and efficient with his opportunities. And so you give him those playmakers, they can make plays once they get them the ball. And I think when you look at the type of scheme that's going to be brought over from San Francisco, I say Tua has the best chance he's ever going to have. And for him, if he's ever going to succeed, this is the time. Without okay. none of us expected him to take that big leap. And then he did. I, I say for Tua, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for like 34, 3,500 yards in 2022. Let me, let me, okay. So, cause you said something crazy. I think it's just why you said Baker's not a top 15 quarterback. And you also said, I think you said he never was a top 15 quarterback, right? Did I heard that right? 
I never, so, I do not, I, I do believe he was not a top 15 quarterback. Though he was producing at the level of one, I wouldn't have put him in the top 15. Because I think that's just blasphemous. Like, he, he led his team, he led the Cleveland Browns, who, who have been a terrible franchise for their whole career, to the playoffs, destroyed your Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way, then was literally a play away from beating the Kansas City Chiefs and going to the AFC Championship game. Well, for one, he not destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. They they imploded, and the Browns beat the Steelers. As good as Baker was yes, for the Browns, I, I agree he, was with their, that. I agree with that. he was their first quarterback. He was the stepping stone in the bigger things. We look at Baker, and when you no. see all the trash that came before him, Deshaun Kaiser, Brandon Wheaton, all the quarterbacks they failed to develop, Baker was the first one that was not only competent, but good in moments. And then you say to yourself, he turned around the franchise? It was not just him. They draft Nick Chubb. They signed Kareem Hunt, and thanks to being so bad, they're not paying a franchise quarterback because they've never had one. So while Baker's on his rookie contract, they build a top-five offensive line around him. They get receivers in Od- Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, guys who have been pro bowlers, some of the best receivers in the NFL. They add Austin Hooper coming off a career year. Defensively, they have Miles Garrett. They also have Denzel Ward, and they add so many players in the draft who have all the potential to grow into stars as well. You have a coach who comes from Minnesota. He was great with Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook. And that same style is brought over with the best running game in the NFL. Baker Mayfield was good, but he did not lead the Browns. The Browns front office themselves started to make proper decisions, and they utilized him being on a rookie contract. And with him being competent and good in moments, he had his years. He's also had bad ones as well. You say to yourself, Baker Mayfield was good but he was not the Browns' best player, nor is he one of their four best players. No, Let's no. settle down a little bit no, on hold that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Somebody cool down, John, man. Somebody hey, cool down. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Because I don't think he ever was allowed to reach his full potential. Like like I said earlier, it was in complete disarray from the beginning. He didn't have consistency at the coaching position. So that's instantly you're messing with the quarterback. And, and second off, it, yes, he's had bad years, but last year was kind of a wash. The guy played the, basically the whole season with a torn um, uh, rotator cuff, I believe, right? Labrum in his left. Labrum in his left shoulder. I believe. And, and the fact if that he was, even in, he was even playing was crazy. He should have never played. And that shows the competitive fire and the want to to go out there and show his team that he's willing to fight for his team and lead his team. He's a bona fide leader. People follow Baker Mayfield because he's got the confidence and the swagger and it just rains off of him and it brings people closer to him. That's why him and him and Odell were so tight. Baker, people gravitate, gravita, um, gravitate to Baker. He, he's a born leader. The guy knows how to lead. So the fact that you say he didn't lead, he was the quarterback for the team. He obviously led. Yes, the running, the running game was the, was the more bigger thing. But like I said earlier, the bet the best thing. But like I said earlier, he also didn't have consistency in the offense. And I just want to say he did go. He he put up twenty six touchdowns and eight interceptions with a QBR of sixty five. Sixty five is very good in this league. Tom Brady and Aaron Aaron Rodgers, the the MVP, he had a sixty nine QBR this year. So that's four points off. Brady had a sixty eight. That that's the type of numbers a Baker's going in. And he was so young. He was showing the strides. They they didn't again. Cleveland is a 
crap franchise. They've been that way since the Jim Brown era. They've, they've done diddly squat. The fact that he was even able to help that team get to the playoffs, beat your Steelers one play away from the uh, beating the Chiefs is insane. And now I hope he can go to a better team. I mean, Carolina's they've been all they've, they've been solid throughout the years. I won't I won't really crap on them. They've they've uh, made two Super Bowls. Uh, Miami's been in dysfunction since uh, Dan Marino left. Uh, Seattle is they still got Pete Carroll, so they still got that culture. I look at. It, I just think he needs he needs to get on a team that is actually down for uh, winning and doesn't uh, stab him in the back um, like the Cleveland Browns did with the uh, Deshaun Watson. You called him a leader, and I agree with that. But don't you think at some level he's a little bit insecure because last year he played through the injuries, but he shouldn't have. His decision making, his footwork, all of those things that don't relate to the upper body, they are up here and down there. They're all off. And the other thing, too, is you keep mentioning he beat the Steelers. The Browns beat the Steelers. If you watch that game, the Steelers had yeah, so, two to three turnovers in the sorry, first quarter. Sorry, sorry, so sorry. acting like he beat the Steelers when, in fact, the Browns defense basically hand-wrapped him the first 21 points of the game is ludicrous. The Browns had a much better game plan. They came out and executed, and despite not having their head coach who was watching the game in his basement, and the Steelers fell flat on their face. And to me, the back-breaking play of the game was Marquise Pouncey, moonshining the thing over Ben Roethlisberger's head the first snap. That is where the Steelers lost the control because in the playoff game, m- moving on, Baker was very good. But <sighs> my, my, my question for you is, if you put quarterbacks in that Browns offense with the best running game, you have a top five running back in Nick Chubb, top seven at worst, then you have the best RB2 in the league and a top three to five offensive line, how many quarterbacks are not succeeding in that system? Because it came easy for Baker. They played to his strengths as a player in play action. And what he does well is enabled because Wait, of that out. situation. Did not succeed? I didn't say that. I said, how many quarterbacks would succeed in that position where they have the offensive line? They have the offensive blueprint. They have the running game. And everything comes more natural because of how well run it is. How effective and reliable it is. For Baker, he was not the leader of that offense. He played his role to a T, and he was a great fit for them. He was the leader of that team. If you put so-so, because like I said before, I think he's insecure enough to play through an injury because he's worried about losing his job. Because last year, he had no, this it was not, to sit out. He could have sat out last year, and he decided about, not to. It was not about his losing his job. He did not. That wasn't in the discussion at that point. He was proving to his team that he was willing to go out there and fight for his teammates. That gains a lot of respect with his teammates. I guarantee they respect him more for going out there and playing. I mean, we just heard that, um, uh, I think, Martellus Bennett, the former Patriots tight end, he just came out and he called, um, he said some uh, pretty negative things about Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for not playing through injury. And Julian Edelman backed that up and said, yes, uh, a lot of Patriots players felt some type of way that he didn't. he, he chose not to play through the injuries. You gain the respect when you play through these injuries. And Baker showed that he was willing to do that. And I think it's also because he believed in the team that the team could win if he yeah. was under But playing through injuries is one thing. Knowing that you're playing through an injury that's negatively impacting your team is completely another. That's when it's just it, – it's borderline stupid. You're, you're just not putting your team in a position to win when you know – you're not at the capacity to be that leader on the field. Yeah, sure, in the huddle you're great, but when you take when you're when you're on the field, when you break that huddle and it's time to call a hike, 
and you don't got the arm to do so, that's not wise. Sure, you could rely and you can hand the ball off over and over again, but sooner or later, defense is zero in on that, and Baker's going to have to rely on his arm. That arm was not working later in the season. That I, I'm with John there. I think I think he negatively impacted that team this past season. I, I don't think I think he should have sat out. I think he should have taken more care of himself. I, I do. I, I do. This I, do I do think he, he should have, he should have taken more care of himself. But I just think that it outweighed that he wanted to be there for his teammates. Is what really outweighed it. That's a very good point. I I can't dispute that. But like Justin said. He was the reason they fell apart because I've touched on the receivers. They're thin in the receiver room, but when looking at the playmakers and the talent around him, they not fell last year because of everyone but Baker. He was the main reason. But you know what's another team I'd love to see him at least cause a little bit of controversy with? Hmm. The New York Giants. No. Let's talk about a little bit of trash, guys. We mentioned mentioned the Carolina Panthers. I just brought up the New York Giants. Let's talk about the bottom feeders. Let's talk about from 32 to 31 to 30 to 29 and 28. Let me hear what you guys got. Who are the worst teams in the NFL? Go ahead, John. You said you said. Do you want me to lay the foundation of like the bottom eight and then we'll work away from there? So we got Chicago at number 32. I think for me that's that's an easy choice. And that's that's natural in this rebuild. You're gonna be bad, clean up the mess of the past for an office. Okay. And Bears fans may get upset that y'all are one of the three worst teams in the league. Though they have some talent. I like Darnell Mooney. We'll see a Cole Komet. Dale Montgomery had some moments. I mean, it's it's gonna be a rough year. I wouldn't be surprised. They won six games last year if they have two instead of uh, you know, five or six. I think well, two. They, they added up. Byron Pringle, let's not forget that. <laughs> Maybe we'll bump it up to seven or eight, actually. Uh, now that I'm looking at my notes. And then number 31 for me is the Giants. Just because Daniel Jones' neck injury, we have no idea what he's going to look like coming off that because that stuff's scary. And you have no idea with him not being able to play in the offseason what he's going to look like when he returns. And even with the Giants having a really good draft, they got Evan Neal, who is just going to be an absolute beast mm-hmm. on the offensive line. I thought there were other additions throughout the night. They were one of the three or four top teams. They addressed many things, but with... The existing roster, there's a good chance Saquon Barkley doesn't have the help up front. So to me, I've got the Giants right there. Right after them, number 30, we got the Carolina Panthers. That team is just a mess. If you can name their quarterback, I guess Sam Darnold's a front runner, but I don't feel good about him. I think it's more likely Baker Mayfield could be their starter next season. Mm. And who knows if it's Matt Corral by the end. I think there's not much certainty there. And while I'm rooting for Matt Roll. He has to work it out for him. And you guys think Matt Rule's going to last past this season? Absolutely not. I think this train in Cal- Carolina is going down, and it's going down fast. Yeah. I have to agree with that. I have to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it started off so well last year when they, when they got to a 3 0 start, which the Carolina Panthers usually do. But the offensive line, all that sort of stuff with Christian McCaffrey's extension, they're headed down a dark road. And it's going to be tough when they get themselves out. They're going to have to be meticulous in their drafting because they're going to have a lot of high draft picks. Number 29, we have the Houston Texans. I thought Derek Stanley was like the biggest boomer bust prospect they could have took that high in the draft in the top three. For them, 
there's a good chance they can actually win seven games this year or six with Davis Mills. He showed so much promise as a rookie. He's one of the two best rookie quarterbacks. I think the potential is there, but at the same time, there's not enough talent on this team to say they're going to be a playoff squad. So I've got them right there. And then right after them at 28, honorable mention to the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. But I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think for them, this is another year of Trevor Lawrence showing more potential and it'll be better, certainly. And they can't get worse after firing Urban Meyer, to be sure. But I think for Doug Peterson, he has a brand new team and they're still going to be recovering from the damage done by Urban Meyer. I think next year is the year where they can actually make the jump to the playoffs. But this year is still going to be where they're only going to win four or five, maybe six games. So I've got the Jaguars at number 28. All right, I'll roll roll with mine right here. I got Carolina at 32. I believe after the beginning of the season, I have so many Jets fans in my family. So they were big believers in Sam Donald. And they were telling me, yo, Justin, all this guy needs is a couple weapons on the outside. And Carolina (laughs) has that. They start off 3-0. He looks great. And then, like I said, that train just just fell off a cliff. It was like a scene out of the Looney Tunes. It just dropped, and there was no chance. I think Carolina is going nowhere fast. I'll throw them at 32. At 31, I got the Jaguars. Now, this was uh, a, a tricky one for me because I do believe in Trevor Lawrence. I do believe he's one of the more talented quarterbacks that we're going to see in, in, in a couple of years. It'll take some time. But I still believe there's a lot to work with with you that Trevor Lawrence is still going through these growing pains. Maybe if they bring in Odell, maybe a couple of things will change, but who knows? At 30, I got the Detroit Lions. Now, I'm a big – I'd say my second favorite NFL team is the Detroit Lions, and maybe it's just because I'm forced to watch them every year on Thanksgiving, so I just feel bad for them and I root for them. But I got them at 30, I think, with uh, Motor City Dan Campbell. They have a lot of energy, but I don't believe in a team that has Jared Goff under center. I just can't. At 29, I got the Texans. I'm a big fan of Davis Mills. He almost took – well, did he Did he beat the Patriots that week? No, 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 no. Patriots won that week. I'm trying to refresh my memory. I'll check on Google. Keep going. Okay, but I'm a big fan of Davis Mills. I think he shocked a lot of people. I think they made a mistake firing their head coach. But overall, with the young quarterback already in place, I don't even think they intended for this guy to be a, a franchise quarterback, and I'm not going to say he is that yet, but – it looks like they have some promise under center. So I could see a lot of things going right for them. And at 28, I, I, I got to go with the New York Giants, man. I used to be a big believer. I was all, all in on Danny Dimes. I remember when he came in, he, he played that big game against the Buccaneers. The guy looked like a showstopper. He was made for Broadway. And then it all went to, it all went to crap. And the Giants have been a crap show since Eli Manning left. And I don't think they have anything under center. That's why I would love to see Baker Mayfield go there just to stir the pot a little bit. He has the New York attitude, but it's crazy. I, I, I'm surprised I don't have the Jets in this. It's it's very different. The Jets had a great offseason, so they just missed this uh, this bottom feeders list. Them and Atlanta are the honorables <laughs> at six and seven. So, uh, so for me, um, I think we have similar lists. Um, Sorry, I wasn't paying attention much to you guys. My cat was being a, a little... Uh, Don't worry, keep going. Let's hear it. Um, so, I have Houston. You guys both said Houston, right? Yep. Houston's my bottom team. Uh, New York Giants. 
31. Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars at 30. New York Jets. Jets, Jets at 29. Yep, and then the Chicago Bears at 28. Um, wow. So refresh my memory. Did you guys agree? Which ones did you guys disagree with on those? On those? Well, I had the Bears as the worst team in the NFL. And then okay. right after them, I had um, – it wasn't the Giants. Oh, wait, no. Let me check. Was it the Giants or – yeah, it was the Giants and the Panthers. And then after the Panthers, I had – was it the – yeah, it was the Jag, the Jaguars and the Texans. Oh no, the other way around. Sorry, the Texans. So and the Jaguars. Bear, so Bears, Giants, Panthers, Panthers, Jaguars, Texans. Jaguars, Texans. Okay, so we agree on the Jaguars. So or you flip, don't have the Jets there. Flip the Jaguars the and Texans. I don't have the Bears or the Jets on my list. I noticed wow. none of you guys have the Lions, right? No, I don't have the Lions. I don't have the Lions. No, I think you're sleeping on Jared Goff. He has. Like he almost beat Aaron Rodgers last year. He has games where he plays well enough, and he has moments where he plays poorly. I'm not, I'm not gonna say you're sleeping on Jared Goff because it's I totally think he's fine. What he is, I think the team around him is pretty solid. That's what I do think. Like it's solid. I mean, Troy is a terrible franchise, but that's besides the point. I, um, I think the Rams showed us uh, exactly why Jared Goff doesn't belong under center. Yeah. So. Well, for a contender. Not that not that guy um but yeah um e- even though the jet i do agree i think the jets had the best draft uh this past season i just don't think that i don't think they're ready to make that jump i, I still think they're going to be a bottom a bottom tier franchise uh our team i should say well both i guess you could say uh, um um the jaguars uh like i uh, i think uh, both of you said uh um I believe in Trevor Lawrence. It, it goes back to like um, when he was coming out. I really, really wanted. Um, I was so mad when we signed Cam Newton on the Patriots because Not I thought Trevor. we were primed and ready for two and fourteen season, baby. With Jared Stidham as our quarterback at the helm, we were going number one. We were going to get Trevor Lawrence, and it would have been back, but uh, history changed, and you know uh, what happened happened. Uh, but the Jaguars all around, like John said, I think Urban, that thing is still lingering around a little bit. They're going to push that off probably next year, make a make a little jump. I like the moves that they're making. Uh, the Giants, just don't believe in the Giants. I, you know, I mean, Daniel Jones, uh, we got a friend, uh, JQ, who's a Giants fan and host, used to give him crap about Daniel Jones. <laughs> Remember the notes? He had all the, the Daniel, Jones doubter, Daniel Jones doubters in his notes, JQ. <laughs> For when he had the, the revenge tour in 2021. <laughs> yeah, Coming well, to 2022, we'll check on JQ. Still got the notes, bro? Yeah, I think uh, we need to put uh, Daniel Jones uh, liars because I don't I don't know what – I think they, they, they just got behind him because that's all they were stuck with, and they just had to get behind him. But it was a bad pick when they made it, and they're going to move on uh, next season. Um, the Texans, it's just the Texans are – look at the team. There's literally, like, there's nobody on that team. It's dead. It's like a old Western um, uh, uh, town. Dead, gone. There's nothing there anymore. That's just that little uh, – I forget what they call them. The, uh, the little things that blow in the wind. Tumbleweeds. Yeah, tumbleweeds. Is, that's it. That's Houston. That's Houston, Texas. They, it's, 
They had some yeah. good additions in Steven Nelson and Marlon Mack, though. I thought those were good good plugins yeah. to win at least like four or five games at their floor. So and John Meachie was a good pick, I thought, in the third. I've always found the Houston Texans franchise kind of fascinating. I felt like when they had Matt Schaub and Andre Johnson, Arian Foster, like the team was dangerous, man. They they had some opportunities. And then you get Deshaun Watson, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Dude, they have they had a squad, man. And again, just again. a couple of just a couple of years ago, you know, they're in the lead against the the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs and the rest is history. And here they are now what Brandon calls a garbage franchise. You know, there's, there's no hope for them at this point, unless Davis Mills really is the guy, but a fall. yeah, really no. a fall. fall from grace, bro. Oh God. That Andre Johnson, Aaron Foster duo, the Steelers couldn't beat that. I remember as a kid, Andre was whew, one of the most underrated receivers at his peak. And not talked about enough. Same can be said for Arian Foster as a running back. Mm-hmm. Same can be said. But, you know, we were talking about the Jaguars. We got a couple of ideas from Brandon that we got to talk about his little expansion ideas. Jaguars going to London, man? Uh, so, yeah, what's uh, crazy is that we were just talking about actually three teams I have on my list uh, for this little idea that I've been thinking about for a very, lo- a very long time now. I- I've just been mulling over. I just think, I think it, it – It'd be in my eyes, it's just beautiful. It'd just be nice to see. Um, and uh, just try to keep it with me here. So, number one, I I like it. It just rolls off the tongue better when you say New Jersey Jets. Like it just it fe- it feels right. Like I don't know. They are New York, the, uh, huh? They are in New York. I feel like they have more fans in Long Island. That's just me. Yeah, yeah, they're the New York Jets, but they also play in New Jersey. Um, so I think that they become, and for some reason, I don't know why, but when I think of New Jersey, green, the color green just comes to my mind for some reason. It's the garden state. Okay. Yeah. That's probably it. So subconsciously something in my mind just clicks on that. So the New Jersey jets, I think they should get MetLife stadium as their sole friend, uh, stadium. And I think they need to build a stadium in New York for the New York uh, giants. So that that's one move that I, that I, um, that I like right there. Uh, sec- the second one is, and this has been talked about, this was talked about a while ago when I think the, the um, something was up with the uh, Bills. I think maybe their arena was up for sale or s- just something. Licensing Kept changing or whatever. the names. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about the Buffalo Bills becoming a Canadian team, a la like the Toronto Raptors for the uh, NBA. So, and I just think that would be perfect. I mean, I don't like it when there's more than one team per state. I just think it's just like a little too much, especially with like California kind of makes sense because it's so freaking big. But with New York, it's it's not even on the size level as a California. Missouri, so. too. Missouri had the Rams and the Chiefs and, uh, you know, I Los Angeles not. had zero at the same time. Yeah, I did. not know that. Um, and speaking of uh, uh, Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Chargers, I don't think they're loved in Los Angeles. I think the Rams are only loved because they make these splash moves and they just won the Super Bowl. Los Angeles fans, as far as football, are kind of fair weather fans. They don't really, they don't really show up that much. Not with the talent uh, for so it. I, yeah, I think it's. I think this would be perfect. It's just the Honolulu Chargers, and I think the baby powder blue with the white just sounds perfect. Them being in Honolulu and Hawaii, it just it just seems right. I don't know. And they've got the new quarterback. 
it can start off and just kick off this new fan base in Hawaii. They could trade him for Tua, and then they can build around him instead. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 if you don't want to go anywhere, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> and next one, I think, like Justin said at the beginning, this has been talked about a lot, and that's mostly because I believe um, Shaid, uh, I think I'm saying that right, Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he owns Shai a Khan. soccer team in London. And they always get most of the games in London. When they go to London, Jacksonville gets most of those games. So I think Jacksonville, we make that move of Jacksonville being the first um, London team. And, you know, we start expanding this to uh, across the pond, as they say. That'd be pretty and cool. Then and then, yeah, and then finally, and I'll let you guys uh, see what you guys think about uh, the whole list. But I think Houston, it's just – and they never – I don't know. It, it's more of a Dallas Cowboys state. So I think if Houston uh, – another uh, expansion of a different country, Houston going um, south and spicy to Mexico. The Mexico uh, Texans – or no, that wouldn't make any sense. They'd have to change, they'd have to change the name. I just realized why I said that. But uh, let me know what you guys think about that. All right. So I'm not going to get behind the New, New Jersey Jets thing. Um, I think – the Nets already experienced Jersey. They wanted themselves out of there. They got to Brooklyn. I'd say I would move the Jets to Long Island, like John said. Um, if you, I know there was a, they almost had a deal where they were going to have a stadium in the city, in downtown, where when uh, we were in talks to get the Olympics in New York, and it was going to be the Jets' home stadium. That would have been an awesome thing. But I could see the Jets moving out to Long Island. And I could see the Giants maybe moving into the city or both of them possibly sharing a stadium out in Long Island. Because I don't know if any of you guys have been to MetLife Stadium, but mm. compared to the newer stadiums in the NFL, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't reach the bar. Everybody that goes there is pretty disappointed. I had my first experience there to see a Patriots Jets game. I wasn't wowed by the stadium. I just enjoyed watching Mac Jones beat the Jets. It's but, one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah, it is one of the worst. And, and they hosted a Super Bowl there. They'll probably never do it again. Uh, they definitely need a new stadium, and they need to bring it to New York. I'm with you on the Buffalo Bills to Canada thing. I think that's actually pretty cool. For one, MetLife's in the middle of a swamp, and in terms of location, it may not be any worse a place. Uh, I digress. The Texans, Houston is such a big market, I feel like they need an NFL team. As big as the Cowboys are as, as a media, uh, you know, like a – I think a name and a brand. I feel like Houston is one of the five biggest cities in America by population. They need to have an NFL team. And they already lost the Oilers. I feel like while the Texans have not been well run, Houston needs a team. But I thought the Chargers to Hawaii was perfect. Like I said, you get Tua there, it'll be perfect, even better. <laughs> now, I have, we were talking about in our last NFL episode, Ben Roethlisberger, and how he's only made six Pro Bowls during a 17-year career. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do some research, and I'm going to look at all the quarterbacks that made Pro Bowls over number seven. And the list starts off pretty obvious. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, Andrew Luck, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Deshaun Watson. Those seven are all elite quarterbacks, Hall of Fame potential. Some of them obviously are in the Hall of Fame. There are 12 others. And I want you guys to try to guess them. All AFC quarterbacks from 2005 to 2019. And I'll give you guys hints. The first one is a Cincinnati Bengal. 
kind of easy. It's not Carson Palmer because he never made one over Ben, if I'm not mistaken. And if he did, you could have him list that as number eight. Andy Dalton. That is number one of ten. I think I said twelve. Yeah, Lamar. Is Lamar one of them? Lamar Jackson I not include because 2019, so like his MVP season. Okay. 20 to So yeah, I'm gonna have you guys guess the ten quarterbacks that okay. made Pearl Bowls over Ben Roethlisberger. There are not one of those eight names I mentioned, and Lamar Jackson is not a part of that. That's just for Tic Tac. I've got, got a couple guesses. He got, he got Andy Dalton right, right? Andy Dalton is one of ten. The other one nine. is a um, New York Giant and also a Tennessee Titan. So the New York Giant? And he's also played for the Titans. Been to a Super Bowl. Jerry Collins? He was he was he was one of them. Um oh. we're talking about the Tex- <laughs> we're talking about the Texans before, so it's one of their quarterbacks. Matt Schwab. Schwab. Yep. And then we got uh, a Denver Bronco. We actually got two Denver Broncos, believe it or not. Kyle Orton? Nope. Jake 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 Cutler. That's one. You won't be able to guess the other. This, this guy made a Pro Bowl for Ben Roethlisberger. Denver Broncos. They had Jake. Uh, Brock Osweiler, right? Nope. Arizona State alumni. Second round pick in 1997. Let's say Arizona State. 97. That's. He made it in 2005. The Pro Bowl. He made it in 2005. Okay, so that's right before Jake Cutler. Oh, I I don't think I would get that. Then. His nickname is Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake. <laughs> this guy made a Pro Bowl over Big Bad Bro. Wait, what year did you say he was born? 2005. Oh no, he was a Pro Bowler in 2005. Oh. Uh, you got me on that one. Do you know who it is? No. I... Jake Plummer made the Pro Bowl over Ben Roethlisberger in his second season, and Ben didn't have necessarily his best year, only 2,300 yards. Um, but it is pretty wild to, to look back at that. The How next many guy, we got? Can, we got can I take a yeah. yeah, half of them. Next can guy, I take a guess without a hint? Yep. Is Ryan Tannehill on the list? Nope. Really? One of them's a Cleveland Brown. What year? Um, they won ten games this season. I'll tell you that. I feel like I'll give it away, dude. I don't want it. How about this? He's in Portland, Oregon. He went to Oregon State, and he was drafted by the Ravens. In 2005. Was, is, uh, is Jason Campbell one of those Pro Bowl quarterbacks? Nope. All right. Well, he's a Pro Bowler in 2005. Or, sorry, 2007 for the Browns. The second year. Damn. It's, yeah. not, it's not Trent Dilfer. Nope. Okay, let me let me jog back your memory to this Browns team. So, Alex Smith is one of them. No, uh, he actually every year he made it. Ben made it in the uh, AFC. Because remember he played for the 49ers. So his leading rusher this year was Jamal Lewis on this Browns team, and his leading receiver was Kellen Winslow. Oh, come on. Well, actually, it was 
Braylon Edwards, and then Kellen at tight end. They had uh, 2,300 yards combined. So this had, this this Browns team had a lot of talent on the outside. I know that era. Yep. Don't quarterback. It, it's not Colt McCoy, is it? Nope, definitely uh, not. No, Almost not. a couple years later. I I don't know about the Cleveland Brown quarterback. He spent some years as a uh, backup in Carolina and Buffalo in 2018, actually. And Arizona in 2010. This is gonna, this is, yeah, this is going to piss me off. You said who? Derek Anderson. See, that's something that'll piss oh, me off. Derek dude. Anderson made a Pro Bowl over Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the next guy is a Kansas City Chief, and there's actually two Chiefs that made over Ben Roethlisberger. Matt Castle. That is one. Matt Castle. Yep. Alex Smith. Nope. No, he didn't. See what's because the the next one has got to obviously before is before the Matt Castle experiment, and that's where my knowledge of the Chiefs goes away right there. Yeah, this guy you're probably not going to guess, but he's a two-time Pro Bowler that made it in 2003 and 2005. So the same year as Jake Plummer. Yeah, I don't think I went to Indiana. Okay, well it's Trent Green. He made it. Yeah, yeah, he no. had actually 4,000 yards that season. The last oh. two, one of which was a Jaguar, the other was a Tennessee Titan. David Garrard. Yep. Yeah, I remember him from my first, I think my first Madden game that I played. He was David good. He was good. Uh, <laughs> um, and then you said a Tennessee Titan? Yeah, there's one? actually a, a bonus Tennessee Titan, so there's two of them. Vince Young? Yep. And the bonus, can you guess it? If it's Jake Locker, I might lose no. my mind. No, it's not Jake Locker. I was about to say, if he got in, into a Pro Bowl. He didn't play long enough to get into a Pro Bowl. <laughs> um, a Tennessee Titan quarterback. This is going to be probably the... Uh, Three-time Pro Bowler. 2005. Three-time Pro Bowl. Yep, MVP. MVP. No, that's not. It's not him. I know his name, and it's like just slipping. Oh my gosh, I play with him in Madden all the time. Oh my gosh, he's a great quarterback too. Come on, Brad. I feel, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue too. But I'm... Pick me up, bro. Pick me up before we all <laughs> stupid for the. Freaking Who is it? Steve Air McNair. Bro, I gotta read a book. May he rest. In, may book. he rest in peace. Yes, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but uh, to end this off, I, I have uh, so I have a trivia question of my own for you guys, since you guys have uh, hit me with yours and. John making me look stupid on the uh, Super Bowl MVP saying <laughs> Julian Edelman. Let's hear it. Hear it so, this one is uh... <laughs> now I don't know if I want to give you the question I was going to give you because that might give it away because I don't know if you guys throw it at us. It. Come on. No, but then it, it's going to okay. He's a uh... 
He's a first round pick. Um, he played 11 seasons in the NFL. Two teams. What year was he drafted? No, it's going to give it away. Can you give you that? Um, yeah, it's just us, like the, yeah, the era. Yeah, two time, he's a two-time comeback player of the year. A two-time completion percentage leader. Led the league in, in the passer rating once, too. All right, so the first thing that came to mind was Alex Smith, which it's not because he only won the no. year once. Um, can you give us if this was pre-2000s? He played post two thousands. Okay. So here, here, so there's two big hints left that I, that are definitely. Carson Palmer. Who? Oh, no. He played no. for multiple teams. He no. didn't play for teams. Um, Don't forget that Oakland tenure. Yeah, I know. That's why. That's exactly. So, what he, so he, um, so these are the two big ones. One's definitely going to give it away. So I'm going to give you the other one first. This might give it away if you guys know it. He was Randy Moss's college quarterback. Back in Marshall. Oh, I had to know the quarterback. Now I can give you the big one that's definitely gonna hit you guys right in the face. You're gonna be like, I know, I know who it is. Why do I want to say round, Dante Culpepper? No, first round pick. Why do I want to say Dante? Played for two teams that were in the same division, so both teams he played for in the same division. What division? The Marshall hint should have gave it away, bro. Ah. AFC East. He's one of the Brady six. Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington. Okay. Oh, I wasn't getting that. <laughs> I was not getting Chad. I can't believe I didn't get it the second you said the Marshall. The Marshall quarterback for yeah. Randy Moss. That was his quarterback. Man. You know, I'm just mad at John for, for having us – Sit there looking like dum dums. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to this Instagram reel. I'm just gonna move the page for a little bit. Yeah, so many people are gonna say, "Dude, how do you not know Jake the Snake, dude?" It's like, listen, man, I'm a wrestling fan, right? When I hear Jake the Snake, I think Jake the Snake Roberts. All right, brother, don't get hot. Listen, I, I had fun this episode, guys. So I, I hope that you guys give it a listen, uh, show some love on, on, on our YouTube. Show some love on our Instagram reels. Uh, and we hope to continue to make more of these stuff. We're looking forward to the next one, guys. Peace. Peace out. Yeah.